welcome to another episode of Embrace the Suck with Brendan. Brought to you by Wheelahan Development. This is your host, Brendan Wheelahan. Sometimes we get kicked in the mouth and life sucks. That's just what it is. But you're tougher than that. You didn't fold. You embraced it. You grew from it. Now pay it forward and help the next person in line. We don't want the textbook. We want real words from real people. This is how we build a better world together. If you've battled loss, stress, depression, finances, change, or anything else life throws at us, share your story. You can reach out directly at wheelahandevelopment at gmail.com or through LinkedIn and Facebook at Brendan Wheelahan. And now that that's out of the way, let's get after it. Have you ever put your foot in your mouth while talking to someone? How about missed your opportunity to make an introduction to a very important person? Misread a room and cracked a joke at the wrong time? What about making a decision without considering the ripple effects? I've done all of these many times. It sucks when this happens. But there is a way to limit the amount of times that it happens. Raise your situational awareness. Very simply put, how well do you know what's going on at all times? Today I'm joined by a longtime friend and retired Marine, Matt. In combat, there's nothing more important than situational awareness, but this doesn't end at combat. Listen to how Matt used these skills that he mastered in the service to rise to the top of civilian industries that he didn't have any experience in when he started. Matt, great to have you on here. Real excited for this conversation about situational awareness. Before we dive into that, say hello to everybody. Give us a little bit of an intro and background about yourself in your previous career. All right. So uh, thanks for having me. So a little bit about myself. Retired Marine, spent 20 years in the Marine Corps uh, Infantry. Did a couple tours to Iraq. And uh, that was some fun stuff later on. Trained every battalion and regimental staff that was going to Afghanistan on what to expect how to work on the ground and basically build their situational awareness of everything around them. So they're not caught off guard. And then transition from that met uh, Brendan while going to uh, business school at Roberts and uh, graduated from there, got a job at XPO logistics where I'm a general manager and uh, you know, things are going pretty good. It's, it's one of those things where like the emotional intelligence, kind of understanding people, uh, kind of understanding my responsibilities has led to some sec- success there, you know, nice. despite not having any LTL experience walking in the door. Right, right. And we'll touch on that in a little bit because you kind of unpacked it a little there. But before we get into that, give us, give us a high level of, of what situational awareness means to you because that's a lot of what sets you up for, for the success at XPO now. But before you even got to XPO, as a Marine, what is situational awareness? All right, so situational awareness happens on like several, several levels, right? So on the personal individual level, which this transitions both the Marine Corps and just personal life is just know yourself and seek self-improvement. Like know where you're at, know your capabilities and limitations, all right? And then if you want to change something, because you're dialed in like that, you know exactly, okay, this is what I need to do. Then you extend that out for like your team, the people on your team, you know, like, okay, I know what 
you know, Jones is good at and what Smith is not so good at. And let me employ them for the best success I could have. Right. So then, you know, your team's capabilities and limitations and, and you just have an understanding of how they, how they work, how they operate. Again, that has civilian applications, of course, then your environment around you. Right. So the huge thing about situational awareness is like understanding if you're working hostile, you want to know who will do what their intentions are, who you can trust, who you can't trust, uh, what normal looks like. Okay. So you're like, uh, dropped into a different culture that you're not familiar with. So you need to get yourself familiar with that. And what does normal look like? Cause when you know what normal looks like, then you could identify what's not normal. Right. Right. Um, and then understanding like how everything interacts with each other. Right. So if I pull this lever, or if I shoot the wrong person, you know, what impacts that going to have, uh, you know, big example, from like the combat mindset, you know, if you walk into a place, there's about four bad guys hiding amongst a thousand people. Right. And you can't find them. Uh, but you have to be very delicate about it. If you treat all thousand people like they're the bad guy, you will have a thousand people wanting to kill you. Right. Right. So that's, uh, so you have to understand how that works. We built that understanding over time. Some units that were used to like Phantom Fury, a perfect example. We had the unit, one of the units that went Phantom Fury 3-5. Their last Iraq experience was door to door, just if it if it breathes, kill it, right? Because that was the ROEs. That was a different situation. The only people left in Fallujah were all bad guys. Right. So that's how they went about business. When they come back like a year later, that's not the case anymore, right? It's you got regular people living amongst the They're bad guys you're trying to get. Right. Right. And we, uh, one of the things when we were switching out with them, that's what we tried to tell them. Like, listen, you can't roll in here heavy hands. You have to, you have to treat people with respect. And when you find the bad guy, yeah, you definitely want to take them out and you want everybody to see you take them out. So they know that you're a tough dude and not to mess with you, but you just can't treat everybody like they're the bad guy. Right. And they're like, Hey, we've been here before. We know what we're doing. All right. So they didn't want to hear it. So I actually had, they have this thing called left seat, right seat. Right. So they have their leadership roll out with you. So they kind of get a feel for things. They build their situational awareness. Mm -hmm. And then they have like selective amount of folks from the unit leaving, go out with them, with their unit kind of as an advisor. And, uh, you know, I went out, I was one of those people tasked with doing that. So I went out with three, five for about a week, week and a half as their advisor, but you know, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't care. They're like, yeah, we've been here before. We know what's up. And I said, well, it's not going to work out for you. We were in firefights every day. Every day we were in firefights. Every day we were, you know, shipping casualties back to surgical units uh, because they, they pretty much picked a fight with a bunch of farmers that before that didn't, didn't really care either way, right? They're like, hey, I just want to farm my land live my life but if you're going to treat me like a piece of shit 
then of course I'm going to come after defend you. myself. Right, right, right. So right. Because, because they didn't read the new situation and ultimately caused a lot more problem and a lot more injury and casualty for you guys. Right. Right. Oh yeah. And yeah. so, you know, of course, military dudes are always going to talk doctrine and stuff like that. Cause it's the cool thing. Let's people know that I know some stuff. Right. <laughs> so like, uh, you got Boyd from the Air Force that came with the, came up with the OODA loop, which is observe, orientate, decide, and act. So you observe the situation. You build that situational awareness, right? And, and sometimes it's got to be really, really quick, right? He developed this for like dogfights, so everything's moving it like in seconds. Mm-hmm. But you observe the situation. You have kind of like some background knowledge, and that's what training and stuff like that is designed to give you what to look for so you observe the situation you orientate towards that situation and then you make a decision whether to act and, and how to act you know are we gonna, am i going to kill this guy capture him am i just going to leave him alone and right you know follow him around and see where he goes so that's the decision and then you act on that right and then that starts the loop all over again because you throw a rock in a pond and like, there's the ripples, right? There's an effect. There's second right. and third order effects. Right. So, right. whatever I do is going to cause a reaction, and then I have to go right back into, okay, what did that reaction do, right? Right. So, yeah. and that's that. That's huge because if you know, if you know who's who, and you know what normal looks like, then you could spot the abnormal, right? Right. Um, I was actually just going to ask you that. I want to look back real quick because you, you want to summarize that. You had four huge points. Know yourself, know your team and the understanding, know your environment, and then know the interaction between all of them. I want to stay on the yep. environment and the interaction, which you were just getting to right there. You said, know what normal is because then you know what abnormal is. I was going to ask you, when you get into a situation, when you have just seconds to react, what are you looking for? Are you just looking for things that are obviously out of the ordinary? Oh yeah. Like, and you know, ROEs are kind of restrictive, right? So you pretty much, it's hostile act, hostile intent. So you have to know what rule of engagement. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Rules of engagement. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. Acronym heavy. (laughs) I'll have to get corrected on that a lot. No worries. But uh, yeah. So know what that hostile act, hostile intent looks like. Things that are out of place, right? I got a couple of examples of that. So we had this observation post in Fallujah, which overlooked the marketplace. The marketplace is where obviously a lot of activity happened, open market, all that. It's also where like Al-Qaeda like to congregate. There's a lot of stuff there. Uh, you know, before Phantom Fury and even a little bit after, you'd have, you'd have like murders in broad daylight in this marketplace. It was pretty out of control. Oh, shit. Yeah, so we had a... We had an observation post there, and you start to see things like, here's a market stall, like a shop, right? And all the guys are like military age males. So, okay. And nobody's ever buying anything. Right. So I was like, how is the shop staying in business? Nobody ever purchases anything. These guys go in there, they come out, you know, they're in there for a little while, but nobody, no one's walking out with bags of stuff. You know, like, how's this guy stay in business? Right, right, yeah. right. Okay. These guys are all the age of dudes that would be giving us problems. Right. So okay. then. You know the background. This is the age of the people that 
that are giving a yep. shit. And now you're looking at the little details. There's a lot of people going in and out of the store, but nobody seems to buy anything. Okay, I'm with you. Yep. Yeah. So that's like the that's the abnormal thing that kind of draws your attention, right? Right. It's just like peripheral vision. If you see something like wait a minute, scooting by you. Right. You know, you're out walking in the woods and boom, you see some movement. Yeah, you're going to be drawn to that movement. Like, okay, that's that's different. So that's kind of thing. So, all right, maybe we need to put some eyes on this and and, and get more detail, mm -hmm. right? So then you put a sniper team out there and they do what they call observation logs and they're just collecting data on everything happening with that market, with mm -hmm. that particular shop because, yeah, that's, something's not adding up. Yeah. Okay. So it's crazy. Well, for those of us that, that aren't going to be in a firefight in Fallujah, let's take this back to the civilian side, because when we opened it up, you did talk a little bit about how, how your ability to read the room, read the situation, pick out those little details that aren't normal. First off, understand what normal is and isn't, and then recognize uh, what fits into that model. How do you take what you learned there as a Marine and apply that to your civilian job so that you can become a general manager in an industry where you don't have direct experience of that industry. Right. So we can unpack that a bunch of different ways. And uh, I'll go back to the first point, like in situational awareness is knowing yourself, seek self-improvement. Right. Okay. So I didn't have LTL experience, but I did have, leadership experience and business experience. I know how to bring the money in. So yeah, I may not have industry experience per se, but I have the leadership experience, business acumen, and I know how to adapt quickly to learn something, right? So when I left the Marine Corps, the first thing I did was, uh, well, hell, even when I was in the Marine Corps, I spent most of my career in the infantry and at my last command, which was the training command, ended up in the intel section doing something I had never even heard of until I got there. So, but I pick it up quickly. That was what I was assigned to do. All right, let me learn everything there is to know about it, right? So that was find out who the subject matter experts are and latch on, put my, right. bury my face in a book and just learn it, right? right, right so right. there was the first, there was the first, okay, I'm jumping into a pool I've never jumped into before. And I get out, go into the crane business. I've never, the only thing I knew about cranes at the time is they pick things up, right? That's about it. Right, right. Um, you know, okay, so what do I need to know? And kind of like map it out, right? So I know that I don't know anything about the crane business. So what do I need to know to do my job? I learned everything I could learn there, got promoted learned a different aspect of the job, got promoted again, learned a different aspect of the job. By the time I left, I was a sales guy at that point. And, the, and I transferred from being a manager to a sales guy because they got they made more money. Um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah. So I know my own personal situation. I like to have toys and stuff like that. So right. like, let me go that route. <laughs> right. But I was the number one sales guy in the Great Lakes. There's guys have been working there you know, for 15, 20 years. And here I am two years into the sales game and I'm crushing them. Uh, because, because you so, understood. Well, let me actually back up for one second. It sounds like you did that because you put your 
ego aside and you're willing to admit there's things that I don't know when I have to figure this out. And then you went and you found the subject matter experts and figured it out. Right. Latch onto them and learn, right? So that, that's huge because a lot of people, you, you get folks that get into a rut for one or two reasons. A, they're just comfortable with it and they don't want to push themselves or challenge themselves. Or B, they would like to have more things and, and get the accolades, but they are so enamored with themselves that they will they fail to admit like there's more for me to learn, right? I know it all, and they're just right. gonna stay at the same pace. They're never gonna progress. Right, right. So right. how do you uh, that's a good point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you're in that little in that little phase right there where you do think you know it all. Cause I've been there. We've all been there. How do you, how are you able to put your ego aside? Uh, especially when you retired from the Marines, you retired from an industry where you were the subject matter expert. I mean, you spent what, 16 years in infantry, you know what you're doing, you know yeah. how everything works, you know, the weapons, you were, you were the technical expert. So how, how did you put your ego aside so that you could just say, you know what? I don't know jack shit about cranes. But John does, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go latch onto John for a month and rob right. his knowledge. Well, you know that's uh, that goes. That's the whole situational awareness piece, right? You have to, you you have to consciously put your ego aside to be like, okay, if I want to better myself, this is what I need to do, right? right. Okay. Um, same thing in LTL, right? So I go into LTL, and it was really me going into another industry was I wanted the challenge for myself. So part of the thing that makes it easy for me is I'm just wired that I am never satisfied with my current situation, right? I, I never am. So when I was an infantry guy and I ended up at this training command and there was this, hey, the Marine Corps is going to take on this whole new freaking information warfare thing that we kind of let the arm, you know, the army was the, the key to all that for the longest time, but the Marine Corps is like, we want to get into that game. I threw my hat and I was like, yes, here's a freaking challenge for me. Let's do this. Right. Then I'm like, now I'm in an Intel unit. I used to joke with my boss. I used to like, I don't know how as a grunt, I ended up in this Intel section. <laughs> and uh, he's like, what are you talking about? You know, yeah, I, my undergrad was in analysis. So, kind of went into the, the whole analytics thing. That's, that's all that is, is just taking information, binning it to where it makes sense and then figuring out what it's trying to tell you. Right. But it's always that thing where nothing's ever good enough for me. Like nothing, like, right. I need to keep learning more, doing more. So you've just like, adapted I'm, or you've just, yeah, you've just adapted the mentality that because you need to always do something else and keep challenging yourself. You're always going to be that person that doesn't know what you're doing to start. And you're going to have to reach out and you just become comfortable with that now. Yeah. Oh yeah. That is the means to get to your goal, right? Like this is you what I want to do. That, I don't, I don't know this right now and I have to be cool with accepting that so that I can figure out what I need to know to get what I want. Right. right. And dude, that's like, you know, that's like uh, you see dudes that are like, total bodybuilders and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I saw this thing. I don't know where I saw it. One of the social media deals, <laughs> but it was like the, uh, the guy, the bodybuilder looking in the mirror and he sees a scrawny dude 
and he's like, oh, my arms aren't big enough or whatever. Or like you could get in great shape and be like, oh, I'm fat. And I just want to – so, like, that's the thing that's driving them because nothing's good enough for them, right? Like, I want to take it to that next level. Right. They could be they could be one of those people that people are like, dude, I wish I looked like you, right? Right. But it's not good enough for them. They're always pushing – and that's – hell, that's how they got there in the first place, right? Because they're just Absolutely. freaking pushing themselves all the time. Absolutely. They're not comfortable. There's a lot of people, and I don't really understand it, that are just comfortable. And I always thought, well, maybe I'm the dude that's wired wrong because I'm never comfortable, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you have- – Yeah, I, I, I heard a quote from Kobe Bryant a while back just before the, the whole tragedy with him. But it was him talking, and he said, I don't understand lazy people. Like, I'm being serious. I don't understand how you think that way, how you don't want to do more. And I feel the same way. If that's yeah. you, cool. Hey, if that makes you happy, I'm all about chase what makes you happy as long as you're not taking happiness away from somebody else. So if that's you, all day, man, do your thing. But I don't understand it. I don't even yeah. when I even when I lay down on the couch, I can't turn it off. Like I'll I'll sit there, put my phone down, a minute in to just lay on the couch, my brain is like, dude, you should be doing this. What did you think about this today? Oh, you, you didn't answer you didn't answer Jeanette earlier. And it's just go, go. And I'm like, wow, I better do more. And I don't know. I kind of like dance between burning myself out, but like right before I'm at a burnout phase is when I feel kind of that euphoric and in, in, uh, high, that endorphin rush, the runner's high. You know? Yeah. I don't know. So I thought Dude, I was weird too. I mean, I know I am. We were just, we were just talking about this at work today. So yesterday we were slam. It's end of month, end of quarter. Businesses are starting to come back online. Right. So what we've been used to doing for the last couple of months with the shutdown and everything, we did double that yesterday and we did it with less drivers than we normally have. So it was, it was the world is on fire. Oh yeah. But just like you're saying, like that's where uncomfortable is my comfortable. Yeah. Right. Because you throw a problem obstacle at me. Now I have something to focus on, right? Mm -hmm. If life's easy, I have nothing to focus on. I have to go out there and invent stuff for me to do, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's how, that's why every couple of years I'm like, all right, I'm pretty successful in this business. Let me turn around, swim against the current mm -hmm. and walk into another business to prove to myself I could do it. Yeah. And then yeah. people are like, dude, you left something that, like Kona cranes, I was on top. I walked away from, you know, 10 to 15 grand and a bonus because I wanted another challenge, right? I was like, I'm not even going to stick it out to the end of the year. I want a new thing, right? To push me. Yeah. I need something new. Like this, this is no, this is not fun anymore, right? Um, yeah. When dudes start calling me for the, to try to get the answers, then I'm like, I, I got to get out of here. Too much out of it. Right. Right. I know exactly what you mean because I figured that out about myself that I need, uh, I need that little bit of chaos and to be rushed. When I played baseball, I was a catcher, and if somebody laid down a crappy bunt and it dropped like right into the home plate, and I had all the time in the world to pick it up and throw you out at first, I botched that throw like ninety percent of the time. But if you would lay down a good bunt down the third base line, and I got a haul ass and like grab it, do a Derek Jeter, and just flip it across. I was like, perfect every time. So I need, I need that pressure, that fast movement to kind of drown out 
everything else that goes on between my ears so that I can, right. I can opt or I can perform. So yeah. All right. I'm glad I'm not the only crazy. But. No, and that's the thing too. Like, so you're talking about, you're put in that situation and not, now you're getting like laser focused on something. Yeah. Right. So goes back to like developing that situational awareness. The biggest, I would say morale, morale killer and anxiety and like a counterinsurgency operation, which that's what Iraq was. And, and by and large Afghanistan too is walking around waiting for something to happen. Yeah. And the thing that sucks is hurry up and wait, dude, because it's going to come out of nowhere. Their main tactic is snipers, ambushes, IEDs. It's not two armies getting online and slugging it out in the war of attrition. It's the guys taking a cheap shot at you and then disappearing back into the shadows. Mm-hmm. So the two big frustrations are, well, the anxiety is like, when's it happening? You could go three weeks. We would go like three weeks stretch in Fallujah pretty much walk every neighborhood over and over and over again for three weeks in a row. And then boom, here's the cheap shot. And you've got split second to take that dude out before he disappears. Right. And, and so everybody's, you know, they call it living in the red zone. Well, you can only live in the red zone for so long, but if you're on edge every time you're out, because it's like, all right, well, it's not happening right now, but it's going to happen. Um, that'll wear you out. And then the frustration of, yeah, the frustration of the guy that just took out your buddy gets to live and fight another day because he he just melted back into the freaking crowd. That drives you crazy. Now, situational awareness going back to normal and abnormal. One of the things we knew is like, one of the things we developed just over time just building up our situational awareness. If there's kids on the street, you're good. Nothing's happening. Right. Right. Okay. Good to know. That was, that became kind of a, that, that became kind of a tell. Like if there's kids playing around, you're good. Uh, we had one situation. The first time I learned that one, we had, I wouldn't call them city blocks because the houses were small. But there was three blocks. Houses are pretty much packed. Um, and we would go down the first road, weave around, come down the next road, right? So on the first road, everybody's out. Kids are out. Everybody's out. All right. We get down the second road. All right. People started to dissipate, right? By the time we hit the third road, there was nobody on the street. No one. Red I flag. mean, on the second road, mothers were like ushering their kids in. Right. They all knew what was about to happen. And uh, by the third road, we didn't even make it down the full length of the street. And we were getting RPG. Yeah, you know, it's and, time. Yeah, the crazy thing of just the way the alley was, there was freaking almost nowhere to go except the fact that one house was under construction and they had this big pile of rocks and stuff because it's all like, it's all concrete block and stucco. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for that pile of construction stuff there, like we would have been screwed. Yeah. But uh, it just happened to hit us at the right time where it was like, all right, we all, in fact, 
the only injury I got was me and two other guys had the same idea where we're going to seek cover from. And I think I took a freaking barrel to the back <laughs> of my head. Fighting cut. for cover? Yeah, fighting for cover. We're three guys trying to fit into a spot for one dude. <laughs> <laughs> so someone's barrel like smashed me in the back of the grape. And I was like, ah, all right. All right, I'll hide over uh, there. I'll hide over there. Right. But it was just one of those things like, and that was, that was the indicator after that. It's like, all right, dude, if they start clearing streets, you know, it's on. It's time to go. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. time to go. All right. All so right. Matt, to wrap it up here for us, give me your final summary. What is situational awareness? Why is it so important? All right. So situational awareness is understand yourself, understand your team understand the world around you and how everything interconnects, right? Uh, from a business aspect, you probably have a lot of data. You have a lot of metrics. What is that telling you? What, what are those numbers spell out for what levers you need to pull in your decision-making process to get the result you want, right? On a personal level, same thing. I'm here. Understand who you are. That's the baseline. You have a goal, right? Situational awareness is understanding the steps that you need to take to get to that goal. And then you develop a plan based off of that. So, you know, that it, it's, uh, it's one of those things businesses do it. That SWOT analysis, perfect example mm -hmm. is building that situational awareness, understanding how, what things are, how they work, and how it could benefit you. SWOT analysis for your life. Perfect. I love Boom. it. Boom. Matt, great conversation with you as always. Been way too long since we chatted. We'll do this again soon, I'm sure. Thank you so much for joining me on this. I really appreciate it. All right, man. I appreciate the invite. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Embrace the Suck with Brendan. We know you've got a message that can help somebody else right now, and we need to hear it. Reach out directly at wheelahandevelopment at gmail.com or through Facebook and LinkedIn at Brendan Wheelahan. Until next time. <laughs>